Hi everyone. This is my interview with Jazz Winnipeg Artistic Director Michael Falk. We talk about the upcoming festival, about what goes into curating a festival, about some of the exciting things that he sees happening for jazz in Winnipeg in the future, and a lot more. We also get into his history in the local music scene, in pretty much every aspect of the local music scene, from his current role to his early days as a musician, to working as a manager, to running a label, Head in the Sand Records, and it's just overall a very interesting discussion. Full disclosure, I do freelance work for Jazz Winnipeg, but I don't think there's a conflict of interest here. Uh, Legitimately, I would have wanted to talk to him about the festival, whether I was doing work for them or not. This is also my first attempt at trying to record with the new equipment. As you can tell, I still have a bit of work to do. Uh, Mike sounds great on the recording. I sound a little bit distant, so I have some some practicing to go on as well. I'm really happy with the recorder that was crowdfunded. I'm blown away by the support that I've received uh, by listeners. And, you know, as I get more experience working with it, it's just going to get better and better. So thanks again. Uh, What you're hearing on this episode is the new recorder, but I need to do a few tweaks to get it to sound exactly how I want. I'd also like to ask listeners of the podcast to check out our friends at Dub Ditch Picnic. Chris, who owns the label, who is a past guest on the show and has been very supportive of the podcast over the years, is dealing with some medical problems and he's really in need of some cash. And if you can go to the Dub Ditch Bandcamp or go online at Discogs, uh, and all the various places you can pick up his stuff and throw some cash his way by buying some of the catalog of Dub Ditch of Sundowning. I would be a big help. If you go to the Dub Ditch Facebook page, you can read the full details of what's going on and uh, you know why he's kind of rushing to sell all the stuff off. It's an incredibly deep, interesting, unusual cat- catalog of music. Uh, a lot of it's released only on cassette. There's a lot of reissues of local stuff that probably otherwise would not have been heard by this generation of music fans. And it's just generally a really awesome label and a good guy who's done a lot for the local music scene. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Park Theatre, Winnipeg's premier concert and event venue. If you want to find out all the great shows they have coming up, go to myparktheatre.com. You're listening to Garbage Hill, Winnipeg's first podcast network. Radio. I'm in my own house for a change, which is uh, really different. I mean, usually I'm at like a food court or a Robin's Donuts <laughs> or the back of someone's car, but uh, it worked out this way that I'm at my own house, so that's, uh, we'll, we'll see how it sounds. Uh, I don't think I'm going to make a habit of it, but um, I'm here with uh, the artistic director of the Jazz Winnipeg, and uh, you have a lot of other past titles and other things you've been involved with, yeah. but I think maybe the best way to start things off is if you want to just introduce yourself and maybe give a, just a quick Coles Notes sort of history of what you've done in the music scene, because I know there's been a lot over the years. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, uh, hey, I'm Michael Falk. I book the Jazz Festival and kind of oversee all of our programming and um, and that stuff. And then uh, leading up to, you know, I guess before I started this gig, um, uh, I've run a... Sorry, my brain is... It's okay. Yeah, I'm just digging it again. Well, maybe, maybe yeah. just to, to interrupt you for a yeah. second, before I knew that you were doing the jazz yeah. thing, I was aware of you as the guy from Les Joupes yeah. and the guy who was running Head in the Sand Records. Yeah. 
So maybe that's a starting so point. Just it's just start uh, sort of, you know, what is your background in the local music scene, yeah. I guess? Because it seems like the Jazz Fest is maybe a bit of a leap from what you were known for previously, yeah. right? So. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, uh, I ran a company called Hidden the Sand for, I guess we started putting out records seriously in 2009. Okay. And, and kind of Head in the Sand grew at the same time that I was also st- trying to grow my band Les Jupes and... Um, and so the label, you know, I think it, at the time, you know, with Royal Canoes, first record and the Liptonians and the record of the week club, and then kind of having a little bit of a scene there. And then, um, uh, and then also starting to like branch out and sign bands from, from beyond and, you know, mm-hmm. like really look at it as, as a business venture and as a way to support some musicians that I love and, and find ways to kind of help get some music that I really love out into the world. And. Um, so I started working with a band called Roca Code from Vancouver. Um, I ended up signing a band from Iceland and releasing a band called the Opera Organ Quartet. Okay. And that record is still just really unbelievable, and I'm really honored and glad that I got to be a part, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. part of that one. Um, and so, yeah, so that was kind of the the, the label side. Um, and then near the end, you know, and then a few years ago, I started getting into a little, a little bit into artist management. Mm-hmm. Took on a couple of artist management clients. That kind of came out of, like, kind of throughout the whole period. I, I've always written grants for artists, so kind of like just a little thing on the side, or it can support musicians that yeah. maybe don't understand that process fully, or, or don't, don't want to do it. Or not. Don't want to do yeah. it, or even like you don't have the time to do it, or would rather assign their brain energy to sure. other things. They want to do the creative part, and then totally. there's the whole marketing and yeah. all that other stuff that is... Totally. Yeah. So I've written, like, you know, I've probably written 100 marketing plans for, okay. for different musicians in Winnipeg and beyond, and and kind of done, you know, a bunch of that, that kind of core... I don't know, I, I like to call it map-making, you know, okay. helping okay. an artist kind of, like, look at look at the at their business, look at the, the music business, and look at... Kind of what the what the path forward for them can be, um, and then that, that kind of leads it well, I guess, to the jazz. Yeah, totally. Too, like, there's yeah. a lot of a lot of that in the, with the festival. Um, maybe just being on the other side of that role in the with in the festival chair, but um, and then um, and then yeah, and then as an artist, uh, as you put out a few records, we mm. toured all over North America and Europe for a few years, and and then through all of that, I've also produced records and made records for, for bands and um, I'm one of the owners of Paintbox Recording uh, I'm not really taking on any clients these days but right. it's uh, Lloyd and Rusty are doing a bang up job on their on their own over there um, so I still show up kind of once a month and kind of muck around with some stuff and um, you know and I kind of do some admin work for the, for the company okay. and kind of just kind of I'm kind of involved in kind of behind the scenes a little bit more in the studio but um and really glad that that space is is really thriving because mm-hmm. like it's we're busier than we've ever been Lloyd and Rusty have got um a lot of repeat clients coming through which is awesome yeah that's good and we've been able to kind of expand our footprint at the studio and and start doing some you know some renos to kind of ex- just make the space a lot more functional cool. and and, ca- and comfortable for from musicians we never had a, a lounge before right like yeah, we had yeah. a studio where you just kind of walked in and there's the studio <laughs> and it's like if you're a seven person band it's like where do the six people that aren't doing anything sure. go and it's yeah. like well <laughs> off into the wilds of charles would just you go <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. um and so uh it's nice to kind of have a space where they can 
chill out and read some magazines or sure, whatever. Yeah. And, um, so, so yeah, I guess that's all kind of part of it. Like, you know, um, kind of like a little trifecta of music industry, artist services via label and management yeah. work, and then my own music making, and then the studio. Okay. Um, so you kind of got your hands in almost every aspect of it. I've done almost everything that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of it well, some of it not well. <laughs> is, is there, I mean, did you, do you have a preference for, for one element of that, of all that, the, the kind of trifecta, like you said? Or, or Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I got to the point, you know, especially both of my management, I guess coming out of the management side of things, um, when those two projects kind of, and my participation in them ended, um, I just kind of realized that me working, like fully working for another musician wasn't a great match. Okay. So, and I think I think part of that, um, if I'm honest with myself, is that as an artist, uh, I expect certain things myself as an artist. Sure. And, um, and if I'm not seeing that in my clients, then... It just makes it really difficult to to justify why I'm putting this energy into something okay. that okay. that um, you know where you know there's X Y Z that still need to happen and they're not happening and it's like well you just kind of know it's like well that means that this is not going to really work and so right. um, and I think also it's just like in when you're doing that and if you're kind of carrying a bunch of that workload and the other like I you know for myself as an artist I've spent a lot of energy learning the music industry and and you know maybe to my own detriment I don't know but um, um, because there's lots of musicians who don't uh, scrap that part from my... <laughs> <laughs> um, you know I put a lot of I put a lot of work into learning the industry yeah you know and that's that's helped give me the tools to be flexible with what I can do um, uh, but at the end of the day, I think what drives all of it is that I'm a, I'm a musician and I'm yeah. an artist. And, and you know, in my role as the AD at Jazz Winnipeg, you know, it's I I take that artistic part seriously in that, you know, I get to make this big mixtape for yeah, the city, yeah. you know, yeah. every year. And, and bring a lot of music that I get really excited about and that our office gets really excited about um, to Winnipeg and to the city. And hopefully, you know, hopefully... Like I guess for myself, like you know, music makes my life a lot better. Yeah, I love yeah. I love how music has impacted my life and and kind of taken me on a course and a journey. And I I you know I I think I kind of hope that you know through the festival that we can give people really amazing music experiences with stuff that they might not have ever heard before, yeah. might not have you know whatever you know or stuff that they do know and but maybe didn't have the opportunity to see. Right? I think sure. like. This year, the reaction to Brian Blade playing the festival, for example, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, there's all these people that are super excited about it, and like, well, I think was... when I when I read that he was playing the day the, the lineup came out, yeah. I had just been listening to one of his records like, <laughs> a few awesome. hours earlier, and that's I was like, "Oh awesome. wow, this is great!" Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, and it's like, and that's the kind of thing that kind of uh, when you're booking a festival, you don't really you don't really know, like you don't really yeah. know how many people are into an act. It's a, like there's a fair amount of guesswork that goes into it, and you try to do as much research as you can, and to kind of what people are listening to locally or what they, you know, what, where some appetite might be. But, um, but with, when we announced the human rights museum show, 
you know, I figured Cecile and Josh would be the ones that would get would get the most yeah. of the love, and there'd be like a little pocket for Brian. But it was like everybody was like Brian. Yeah, yes. yeah that's what I've heard too from people I yeah. know who are going to the show. Like, yeah, exactly. Cool. So yeah. It, and we ended up moving which stage Brian was going to be on oh, cool. okay. uh, because of that, and um, yeah, I think it it you know it's really cool that you just kind of uh, you know I'm really glad. Because, I mean, I've driven all three years that I've booked the festival now. Um, I've been trying to get Brian to come, oh, cool. and this, you know, we f- we figured out how to do, how to do it this year. Okay. Um, with this Human Rights Museum gig, it kind of things fall into place for us in a different way that um, to make shows and artists like that possible for the festival. Were um, you? Um, oh, dogs, uh, make a right. Hey, Pooch. <laughs> we can pause for a bit. Yeah. We'll, okay. If yeah. I remember to cut this out, I will. If not, right. we'll just keep it in there. It's cool, but. Um, hey, everyone. We're t- we're petting a dog yes, right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Don't drink my water, pup. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, so another, I guess like as far as jazz itself, were you always interested in jazz? Or yeah. is this like a, a more recent thing for you? No, I've loved jazz, like my entire music listening life or okay. whatever, right? Okay. You know, I think, um, I don't, I don't, I wasn't trained as a jazz musician. Yeah. And so like, I think, you know, people have known me as an artist um, that plays a certain kind of music and, you know, but um yeah, but like, there's been Apollo records that have been super important to me, and and I think the the live experience with jazz has always been the one that um, has kind of always been really really vital for me, and yeah. I, a lot of really great experiences traveling and going to jazz clubs in cities and and having some like lots of really amazing surprise experiences, and and I think trying to then bring some of those into the festival and yeah. kind of how we how we think about you know spontaneous music discovery and and you know for me a lot of those experiences have happened in jazz clubs like in madrid and new york and san francisco and barcelona and you know berlin and all these places that i've been and then um uh wanting to kind of do whatever we can to start creating some of those those experiences here around the music and so i think like um yeah so i mean i know that there's like a little contingent of people that are like Oh, he doesn't even like jazz. Right. <laughs> well, that's what I was getting at. I was curious if you were a jazz guy, but yeah. like, you know, before you started doing yeah. this, because yeah. I mean, I could see definitely some people. Uh, once you get involved in the festival, you're yeah. kind of surrounded by it, right? Yeah, so totally. Yeah. And like, I love it. I think yeah. that, like, um, uh, what I love there's a there's a deep thoughtfulness to a lot of jazz mm-hmm. musicians and the music, and there's a lot of people that care really deeply about about what they're doing and I think you know every year I go to the, the Winter Jazz Festival or conference in, in New York okay. and you know it's a really great weekend where you get to just bounce around all the jazz clubs in New York and just cool. see stuff non-stop and you just kind of um, you know see 10 shows a night and kind of OD on it but it's like but in all of the kind of like when you're immersed in it there that, that there's just this feeling and the way the artists carry themselves and the way the artists talk about the music and about each other and about the process and the history. And, and this is like, for me, this is mostly like, I'm going to, I'm going to check out new jazz, right? Like yeah. it's, yeah. you know, this is, you know, I'm looking for stuff that's, um, people that are making new music and people that are making new records and trying to do new things with the, you know, in the genre. And, um, and there's a, yeah, there's a really beautiful life and community to all of that, which, uh, which I I really love to see, and I think that um, you know I think that there are people uh, there are people in Winnipeg that 
that know that and get that and want to see that as mm-hmm. well. And they're, um, yeah. And so I think that, you know, I think. Do you think there's a maybe difficulty with the idea of jazz with some people? Because I, I've often heard from people who aren't into jazz, yeah. and I've been like, let's go to a jazz show, and yeah. they're, they're a little hesitant. It's uh, the idea that it's this kind of self-contained little universe that they're yeah. not part of. I mean, especially in Winnipeg, because I'm sure in a lot of cities, yeah. because a lot of the players are all on each other's records, each other's bands, and yeah. it's kind of a really tight-knit group. So how, I guess, as you know, the person putting together this festival, how do you open that up and make it sort of more accessible to someone who maybe doesn't know much about jazz yeah. and wants to, you know, check it out. Like, how do you kind of break that open so yeah, it's totally. accessible? Yeah, that's crucial for us. Um, because I think when you have the same 50 people in the room, yeah. you know, like those 50 people can only buy so many tickets, can only, you know, are only going to go see so many shows. And so I think, you know, um, and I think in that context as well, like I mean, a little bit of, on the business side, like jazz has 4% of the market share and, sure. and dropping, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. And in Winnipeg, that's probably, that's probably, that's global. So let's talk Winnipeg. It's probably 1% of the market yeah, share yeah, yeah. and dropping. And so, despite um, a lot of amazing artists, ex- exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I think, um, so in that, in that context, um, sorry, I had a few thoughts. You may need to edit me a little bit here. Um, <laughs> I had like, for a second, I had my, my, my path here and there's kind of like three things I wanted to hit. Um, club. Okay, give me the question one more time. No, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. No, no, I, it was uh, about the kind of making jazz accessible. Oh, right, accessible. People yeah. maybe think it's a closed, right, totally. closed yeah, circle. Clubs, yeah. okay. Yeah. So at the festival, um, there's a couple things that we, we've been doing very deliberately. And, and one is that we've been putting more like high-level touring artists out on the old market square free stage. Yeah, yeah. And and that's been super deliberate because we want we want to grow the audience for that music. And so the only way to do it is by giving people a great experience with it, right? right. So that they when that artist comes back, those, you know, we can sell some tickets and build that audience for them and then right. we can bring the artists back again and bring the artists back again. And they can take the risk by going to the show because it's free. Totally. And, yeah, yeah. and so I think that, you know, for us it's it's a way it's kind of the way the, the folk festivals work, right? Sure. They all bring an artist to the folk festival. The artist comes back six months later, plays the West End Cultural yeah, Center, yeah, yeah. sells 100 tickets. They play the folk festival two years again later and after that. And, you know, yeah. and then they come back and sell, you know, 300 tickets to the West End. Sure, and, sure. and, you know, maybe they play the Burt eventually, whatever. Like, there's, there's like a path for an artist to build an audience through that network that within, like, Jazz, like Jazz Winnipeg hasn't really been doing that for, you know, in, within my experience of the festival in my kind of adult life and and most of the other festivals most of the other jazz festivals in the country aren't doing that it's it's not something that's built into the model and in terms of you know and I, I don't even know how much it's built into the jazz musician culture either right? right because it's such a culture of of one-off gigs and a lot more spontaneity in you know in a lot of fashion sure yeah um but what that means is that you're kind of like you're imposing a ceiling on yourself and i think that um, what what we want to see more of is is artists pushing past that, and artists being able to to sell real, like to grow a real audience, both yeah, in yeah. Winnipeg and in other cities, and and be able to actually sell tickets and make you know you make more money that way, and you you can have some more longevity that way, and you're not just stuck in the corner of a restaurant playing hundred dollar gigs for twenty sure. years, and 
and Which I'm sure a lot of people yeah have totally there's year, yeah. like the whole the whole music scene in, like the whole uh, jazz music scene in Winnipeg is we don't have a jazz club right yeah which so, is insane yeah, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of this comes back to that too is that like because there's no you know like even like like there's no times change for the jazz community yeah. right yeah. Um, there's a there's a club down Pamina where a jam happens every week but that's just part of it, and it's totally the wrong location. Well, there's the Marty um, Jazz thing too. There's right? Marty Jazz, which is one night a week again. But it's but like, you know, in, I mean, Saskatoon and Edmonton both have clubs, and Minneapolis has an amazing club called the Dakota. And I mean, obviously, you go further east, and every city has yeah, multiple. Yeah. And but I mean, in terms of just like the Midwest, and you know, we're we're like we're a, a little hole in a, in a really great tour route for artists, right? Yeah, and so, yeah. um, where artists can do Minneapolis, Winnipeg, Saskatoon, Edmonton, and, and maybe if the money then works, they get down to Vancouver and Victoria and whatever else. But, you know, but that's not really happening very much. And a part of that is because we don't have that room that's making that happen. And so, um, you know, where, you, where, you know that, okay, Thursday night, it's th- like basically Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's nothing but jazz in this, yeah. in this club. Um, and well, you're, easier to book totally, yeah. yeah. And you know that your Saturday, your Friday and your Saturday shows are always going to be touring artists. Yeah. Your Sunday is always going to be the local showcase. Your Thursday is always going to be student night or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you kind of have your four, you know, you, you have a place that becomes ground zero for the community. And so that's something that, you know, I think about that a lot because I just, I see us lacking that. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a way for Jazz Winnipeg to somehow make parlay the suggestion of the festival into something like that, or, or with obviously with other people? Well, I think too, right? yeah, I think I think it's the kind of thing where multiple people need to be at the table because yeah. because I think if it's just us, I mean, I think our organization is already like I don't see how it fits into the organization the way we're structured as you know if we were to do that as a standalone. But I think if I think there's definitely partnership opportunities. And I think that the Asper series benefits. The, yeah. uni- the university, like the School of Music, would benefit. Totally, yeah. Um, we'll give their students a place to perform. Yeah. Exactly. And, right? and, to, and up to check out. And, yeah, and to, see, and to see the touring artists that are coming through, that would be coming through all the time. Like, I think, like, from the musician's standpoint, you know, um, they don't, I don't think that they see a lot of examples of, of the kind of activity that you know maybe the festival is looking for, or the sure. or the level of kind of like the I don't know called the total package or whatever, right? Where you know like some of the bands that we've got coming from the festival for the festival this year from from Montreal or Toronto, for example, like you know I think the way they they've all learned how to present themselves in a certain fashion that that Winnipeg musicians just haven't been been asked to do or forced okay. to do or you know and i think so like there's uh you know we definitely get a little bit of chafing yeah, 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 <laughs> coming yeah. back our way you know from like hey how about let's let's step up our photo game let's step up yeah. our website game let's yeah. you know um and that's an issue that a lot of bands of any genre are facing totally right like every you know every indie band at the goodwill or the yeah. handsome daughter well, not they have every, to deal with that also yeah good. exactly yeah. and so it's like i think it's just it comes down to you know, it comes down to at the end of the day, what what do musicians want, right? You know, I think if you if you want to just do this thing that you kind of play around this little circuit and you don't really want much more than that, and that's good for you, then great. Yeah. Um, but if you want something that's a little bit bigger and you want uh, you want to be able to play other cities and you want to have an audience that you can grow with and 
can grow with you and um and that through that process you can kind of you know find more creativity and write more and and release more music and yeah. like there's kind of you know kind of i kind of realized that there's kind of two two models that exist and and in winnipeg almost all of the jazz community um just by the default nature of what's available in winnipeg has been you know play in the corners of restaurants yep. and um then maybe you know and then for a bunch of them play the festival every year yeah um and then play asper jazz once every now and then like like and play marty jazz a couple times a year it's like this it's just the same they cycle through the same it's shows, the yeah. same thing cycling through and it's and none of it none of it builds and none of it's about building your audience, right? Yeah, none, yeah. none of that. Because the same people are going to all Yeah, shows, exactly, right? right? If you play, if you're playing piano at the Palm Room at the Hotel Fred Carey, yeah, it's a beautiful space, lovely environment, but like no one is going to see you, right? No. If you're Sam. They're there for a drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're there for a drink. You are quote unquote live music. You're yeah. inter, you're, com, it's, you're totally interchangeable. Doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah, yeah. you can be amazing, but no one. No one is going to your show at the Western Cultural Center two months later. No, coming they probably don't even know your name. Yeah, exactly. You're just guys in the background playing piano. Yeah, and so I think that, you know, I think for a lot of musicians in Winnipeg, that's that's just reality, and that's just how it's been for a long time. And so I think that, you know, um, but on the other side, there's the side where you don't ever take those gigs. Right. You don't because, and you only do gigs that are about your act and that experience with your act. Right. And selling tickets to that show and building that ticket value, and then doing that in cities across the country and then across the continent and then across the world, and um, and having a path that I mean, fully admittedly, there's a lot more risk. Yeah, yeah. For um, sure. There's a lot more investment needed. There's a lot more determination and a plan and a vision that you need to have. All of these things, you know, you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, yeah, yeah. tour Europe tomorrow. Yeah. It's like, no, it's like there's a lot of steps you that have to go. Point, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so I think that, um, you know, I think that musicians, you know, I think like with the within the festival, we operate in in that model, right, where we need artists to be able to sell tickets yeah, when yeah. we bring an artist to Winnipeg. Um, right, their name has to work. It can't be their name has to work, work. Yeah. right? Yeah, and I think. And I think that I think that the local musicians don't always fully get why that is, and it's you know, um, but it's like if we if we hire Nora Jones to come yeah. to Winnipeg yeah. and play a show, you know, well, the people way, are going to see Nora Jones, and like, yeah, yeah, they, they, right. And the, the way the the festival is structured, um, that show has to stand on its own, yeah, right, yeah, um, and and so if we hire, you know, this is why I kind of like. The Brian Blades, Cecile McLaurin, Sylvain, like that, like the, um, that kind of tier of jazz artists for this festival becomes very difficult because really the only people that are buying tickets to those shows are the jazz lovers. Like it's like, it's, they're not, it's not necessarily, you know, Joe and Jane public that are going to be super interested in those shows, Yeah. but there aren't, there aren't enough jazz lovers buying tickets to make that like, to make those shows work at the fees that those artists command, right? And so I think... And and that's that's a longer you know I'm I look at that as a as a bigger picture thing that reflects the lack of jazz club and that reflects that we don't you know that um, there were a, a small city and a small market and most people grew up in the suburbs listening to Power ninety seven or yeah, whatever yeah, sure, and like yeah. you know so I think culturally 
culturally that core framework isn't there where Brian Blade can come into Winnipeg and sell 700 tickets, right. whereas he shows up in Montreal and it's like, yeah, you can put him in a theater and it's going to work. But in Winnipeg, it's like the numbers don't work. And so, just based on what the preferences are overall in the city, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, I think that, um, you know, we're really cognizant of that. And, and, and I think within those kind of like, kind of those, those limitations, try really hard yeah. to present as much amazing jazz as we can that, that also doesn't bankrupt us, sure. right? You know, I think that that's always, um, Right, you don't be spending all the money in <laughs> yeah. names, and then no one cares. No one yeah, knows who exactly. they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know. Okay, well, I have a, maybe this is maybe a two-part question. Yeah. Um, feel free to answer it however you wish. But um, <laughs> do you think there's benefit, first of all, uh, on the local level, for yeah. local jazz artists to be getting more involved in the other, the the, the wider music community? I mean, yeah. instead of instead of just taking those, uh, you know, back of the restaurant gigs, yeah. playing at a show at the Goodwill maybe with a bunch of indie rock bands or you know a punk band and a, totally and then the other question that kind of relates to that is in, in booking the festival is there I'm assuming you have to balance getting the music for the hardcore jazz audience and yeah. then getting some of the artists that aren't necessarily jazz but are more appealing to the general yeah, audience right like, totally well okay so let's dig into the first <laughs> the first one um, what was the first one again the first one was, <laughs> I do forget both yeah, of them so yeah, I just yeah, yeah. I screwed up on that yeah. the first one was about local jazz yeah. artists right, totally and then like, you know, can, they, can right. they fit into and the siloing the siloing yeah. of a jazz community yeah, right? just blend it all together totally right? I think I mean I'm biased because I I grew up listening to a pile of stuff right yeah. and it's like um, or Stan Getz records and Charles Mingus records were on the shelf next to Rancid right, and yeah, yeah, yeah. next to Kristen Hirsch or next to, you know, so I think like there's, you know, like Sonic Youth has equal value in my life as much as, you know, like sure, yeah. inserts, whatever. So I think, um, so I think for myself, I feel like listening to a pile of music is, is super important because it broadens it broadens your perspective it broadens your horizon yeah. it gives you different you know so I think like if you I, I agree with you on that but we're also in a state a time period now where it's very very easy for people to just silo themselves off completely yeah but I, you can, know what? I think I am well maybe I'm um we're in we are in a period of time where I think when people that have been studying listening habits mm-hmm. are reporting that like people are listening to a lot of everything right and so I think you have a lot more people listening to, like, listening to punk and Carrie Underwood or whatever, right? Sure, or, like, yeah. you know, just having, um, I feel like the, we're kind of in a time where, like, where genres, they don't really matter anymore, right? right? Like, no one, no one cares. Right. No yeah, one, guess, no yeah. one who's 25 years old cares about your post-punk that's, scene. That's true. That's no true, one who's yeah. 25 years old cares about, like, being just a hip-hop kid. That's actually interesting like, because just doing the show as long as I've been doing... I, I mean, I interview artists of all yeah. ages, right? And you're right, the, the people, you know, 35 and up, yeah. they have a more specific sense of what genre of music they totally. play, whereas the younger bands are just like, I don't know. This <laughs> is what we do, yeah. yeah, yeah oh, and yeah. you do that? Cool, let's do a show together. Yeah, exactly, you know? right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I think, you know, I don't think we'll ever have like a, a ska scene like... Like we did when like I was in the ska band in the yeah. late 90s. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. we go, like that'll, yeah. that won't happen again. Yeah, um, and, unless I'm almost started. And, and, that's, <laughs> and that's just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, please delete that. That's off the record. Um, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that, so I think that, I think jazz struggles with that. I think well, yeah. jazz, quote unquote. Um, you know, and this is someone who, 
comes to the jazz community as, you know, admittedly a bit of an outsider, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, I think I think the voices in the jazz community that want everything to just be pure jazz, I think are really detrimental to to jazz because they they're imposing a limitation that that no one else cares about or yeah. wants or yeah. or needs or is been like if you're just saying you must be this tall to ride you know to to everyone who comes to your concerts or you know you've got to know all of this jazz history or you've got to know this theory or you've got to you know like i think i think as soon as you in, you know like institutionalize or academify or whatever the yeah. word is but jazz has that it comes with that almost, of course right? it comes more with, than a lot of genres so. yeah because because the because the the knowledge of theory and harmony that is that is needed to to play Complain, jazz yeah, well yeah. is 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 exponentially higher than, than punk rock, yeah exactly. totally yeah, yeah, right yeah, you know yeah. like like i have some very cursory theoretic knowledge and it works for what i do sure but you stick me with a jazz quartet and I'm, I'm toast I'm done yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and that's um, that's awesome you know um, but I think I think the danger on the flip side of that is if I may is that um, is that it can become alienating right and Absolutely, so I think yeah. that you know and I think I think within jazz there are you know there's I think there's a, div- a division of people that like you know want it to be you know, are are the kind of more hardline traditionalists, and then there's a bunch of people that like, yeah, I love jazz, but I also love you know, whatever. Yeah, and then I love this music, and I, you know, and I, you know, I think jazz can do all these other things, and and so I think like, you know, I think as much as I kind of maybe talk about that traditionalist side of it um, as being an unhelpful side, I think within jazz there are a lot of voices, especially right now, of people saying, hey, let's have some fun with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and I think. Um, the artists that we've got on the free stage on the Sunday. That are, show looks is ridiculous. Like that's, the Comet is coming and stuff. I can't, I can't wait for that. The Comet is coming, Micaiah McCraven, yeah. Donnie McCaslin. For me, those are all artists that that are very much within like the arms of jazz. Yeah. But none of them give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like all of them all of them are about making great art and about impacting people and connecting with people and putting on a great show and and letting her rip and having a good time and and some of that like you know and it's like there's you know there's some punk stuff that creeps into those acts there's some hip-hop that creeps into those acts there's some there's some edm that pops into those acts and so all of a sudden jazz is you know those artists are moving post genre right like it's like it's the the mashup stuff that that uh, is, you know, for me, it's super exciting. For sure, and um, it's funny because jazz has always been kind of on the cutting edge too. Which totally, which is so why it's so weird is considered as this academic thing because yeah. I mean, you saw all the avant-garde stuff like in the sixties and everything, and it's, yeah. it's still like so totally. far beyond what's going on I now. Know. And and it's weird to think of that as being treated the same way as classical in sort of this really formalized kind of like suit and tie thing. Yeah, I mean, not that classical doesn't have groundbreaking stuff too. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I think I think that's the, I think that's the, that's the kind of the edge that jazz has been walking on for a little while it's like do we become like classical music or do we stay a living breathing art form right sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and this is from a guy who loves going to the symphony but but i think like like classical music is is it's it's tough and it's tired right and and how do you how do you animate and create and excite culture beyond that community 
you know, within classical music right now? That's a that's a big question. Yeah, it's a whole and, other topic. And, yeah, yeah. And I feel like jazz, by the very nature of the the spontaneity that's in the music and the improvisation and the willingness to just like be in the community, you know, I think let's talk about like the Dirty Catfish Brass Band, right? right? So there's an example of. Well, they play all over the place. They too. play all over the yeah. place. Yeah. They'll play at the corner of River and Osborne. Yeah. They're playing at Bomber Games. Yeah. They're playing Jets at Jets Games. Jets yeah. games. They're yeah. playing, like, they'll play at a street corner. They'll play in an alley. They'll play on a stage. They'll play, yeah. like, they, you know, and I mean, part of that is the nature of that format, right? Like, if they had to plug in some amps and whatever else, this that, that all falls apart <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty yeah, quick. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, but, you know, but that's the nature of that music that they do and the way their, their, their format is structured. And so I think that, you know, you know, the link from from them to to Donny McCaslin, for example, is 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 an easy line to see, and sure. and I think that that line is also one that engages community um, and engages people kind of at a really kind of ground level and base okay. level, and I think you know, and I think when you you know the you know the history of jazz and like when jazz first took hold and became a you know jazz was popular music and it was dance yeah. it was and it was dance music right yeah, so sure, it yeah. was it was social music and so i think you know what happened in the the 50s 60s 70s 80s with it is that you know it became very academic and you know maybe all music goes through that period i'm sure there's some academic post-punk oh yeah yeah so, definitely, you know, definitely, definitely. Um, there's probably someone who's got a research paper right yeah now exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the, I guess the other question, which was not really related, but I just wanted to say at the yeah. same time so I didn't forget it, was about just kind of getting those non-jazz artists oh, yeah, to totally. the festival. And, and like how yeah. much of that is kind of necessary to get, as we mentioned before, those people who maybe aren't interested in jazz yet, yeah. and, but, but they know, you know, yeah. insert indie rock artist yeah, here. Totally. Or, the Laming Flips, am I right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a great example. My, my daughter went to that. That was her first show. Yeah, awesome. Was that, so, yeah. that is a great first show to yeah, go to. Yeah, she Whoa. Loved it. Yeah. Like, yeah. the... Like the first three minutes of that concert was a celebration. It was just like confetti cannons yeah. on full tilt. Well, that's their whole their whole. Thing it's is just like it's yeah, just yeah. like yeah. You know, and I've I'd seen them a few times before that, and it was always good. But that show, like, there was something else with that show that I mean, maybe it was also just the exhaustion of being the last day of the festival, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it's like it's finally I, over. And you can yeah, 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 I, I'll have any emotion, whatever emotion you yeah, got, yeah, I'll, sure, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah. feel it yeah. right now, you know. Um, but I mean, they're they're decidedly not a jazz band. No, of so, course not. What are they doing at the festival? Is well, that no, the, no. I mean, I, I know yeah. what they're doing at the festival. Yeah. But, but like, how much they're, of that do you, they're paying how much for that the jazz band has to happen in order to to make it work? Though, yeah. like, I mean. They're obviously drawing in people who maybe yeah. wouldn't have gone to a jazz festival in the first place, and maybe they're checking out other artists because totally. the lips are there. Yep. So how do you sort of balance that? Getting the the jazz for the the purists or the hardcore jazz fans, and then having these other artists like the Flaming Lips that, that will yeah, make totally. it more wide open. Yeah. Well, I think um, you know, like on on my first year on uh, in twenty seventeen. On Facebook, some you know, some folks started having a little debate because like, I remember reading it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was a, it was, like, it was based around like yeah, like, well, because because SC Mira played and someone didn't like SC Mira. Okay. And I was like, what's this doing at a jazz festival? And um, uh, and I think Luke Doucette from um, Whitehorse. from Whitehorse, yeah. So like, he was friends with someone on it and got he chimed in. He was like, well, you know, if this is a traditional jazz festival, it would be two days at the West End Cultural Center yeah. and it would be the same. 200 people every year and that would be it and it's it's kind of like that that's kind of the reality it's totally, like yeah, yeah. you know i think the um you know dave holland was here in 2015 and we sold 325 tickets yeah. right like here's 
Dave freaking Holland. There's yeah, yeah. But there's only 325 of you in the room, and so I think that... Versus the Flaming Lips, which... Where it's yeah. sold, you yeah. know, there's... Yeah. 1,300 people in the yep. room, right? And so it's not like it's just a popularity contest where we, you know, where we'll just take anyone who, you know, can sell tickets. Yeah. It's not like it's that. Yeah. It needs to be great music. Um, but here's the thing that, like, not everyone always, I don't think, uh, like, it's not like festival booking isn't walking down the grocery aisle in the grocery store <laughs> or the, pick, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the cereal aisle and just being like, oh, I want this one, this one, this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the, like... I sent out probably 70 offers this year, right? Yeah. Um, oh, the timing's got to work, the money's got to work, all that stuff. Totally, right? Yeah. right. And so so all of the jazz festivals try as best as we can to work together and, okay. and so that, you know, everyone in, you know, so us in Saskatoon and sometimes Edmonton and then Vancouver and sometimes Victoria will try to offer on an artist so that we can make it financially worth their while to come into Western Canada. Makes sense, yeah. And then we all get that show and, and it all works. And so this year we, we worked... On a whole bunch of stuff, and some of it fell apart in the last minute, and some of it didn't happen, and some of it, you know, we thought it was going to come together, and we were all yeah. kind of like super excited, and then oh, something changed. They got an offer in Europe, it all falls apart. Sure, and, yeah, yeah. And and so I think the, you know, the the fluidity of the booking process, and the fact that we're such a small market, and that our dollar sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So they they yeah. they all work against us, and so, you know, so in. August or September, I'm sending out first offers for the the next year's festival, and you know you can't get too attached or excited to it because yeah. you know you know that like they're not even going to really get looked at till October or November, and then you know if if there aren't any other anchor dates for them, then it becomes a pretty quick no because like so uh, if I offer on an artist and you know and she just doesn't have Minneapolis or Saskatoon and Calgary or whatever is needed to make that Winnipeg show worthwhile, yeah, yeah. it falls apart pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, artists want to be able to do like a a three to seven show run, right? You know, to make that to make that work, kind of depending on a bunch of stuff. And sure. So, at the end of the day, it's you know part of its money, right? Can we pay the artist what they want? Yeah. Um, can we? Do we think we can sell enough tickets to that artist? Like that's a consideration. Um, who's even available, right? Like, I can say, yeah, I want to book Nora Jones and, uh, I don't know, um, throw me some, like, okay. like I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, going to book yeah. Buble and Nora next year, yeah. right? You know? Um, but yeah, even aside from the money, they might not even be around. Yeah, they could be like, well, no, sir, they're they're doing New York, Atlanta, yeah, yeah. Mexico City that week. Okay, so yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. great, well, they can go make their, <laughs> you know, do that. So, it, it, so it's... Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, are the criticisms about, like, you know, when you have someone like Flame Lips, who are there, you know, obviously bring a big crowd, obviously yeah. there for a reason. Yeah. If you get people saying, well, they're not jazz, why are they there? Is that just kind of a hazard of the job? Where you oh, yeah, have totally. Year or yeah. Even, yeah, like, I don't, I don't really care. Like, if, yeah. if that's, yeah. like, if you can't see that we're also presenting, like, way more jazz than anyone else, anywhere near us. Yeah. Um, well, and, this year and, and, especially heavy on, like, very, very heavy on so jazz. so much yeah. amazing jazz yeah. this year. And I still saw some guy's Facebook post like, oh, there's no jazz this year. I was like, come on, man. <laughs> so much, yeah, yeah. It's like, you just, like, you become a parody of yourself. Yeah. And, um, so you just kind of let that slide? Oh, yeah. Piece, no, right? you yeah. can't. Like, it doesn't, who cares? It's like, it's tired and it's unhelpful. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah for sure. You yeah, know, yeah, it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, um, well, yeah, the people, most people are going to see, they're going to understand why these artists are here and they're going to want to probably see yeah. them and the jazz artists too. Right? Totally. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, wait, let's talk about the Flaming Lips because just like, I mean, that's a great fucking band. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Like, that was an amazing show. And it's like, no, it's not a jazz show. Of course not. No. But it's, 
but it's a celebration of humanity and music. Sure, yeah. Um, and it's a great time, and it, it fell into our lap. Yeah. It was also like, you know, it was not on the radar at all until the very last, kind of like the last minute. Oh, cool. All of a sudden, like, you know, Saskatoon calls me up, and he's like, hey, I think I can get us the Flaming Lips. All right, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. of course you're you say no to them. Yeah, 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 do you say, oh, no, he doesn't. They never made a jazz there's record. No trumpet player. You know, there's no trumpet player. Can't do it. No, like, yeah. of course not. You said, yeah. yeah, let's let's make this work. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I think the. Well, that's yeah. not unique, unique to here either, right? I mean, like a lot of jazz totally. stuff. Totally. I mean, like, yeah. look who's headlining. Like the other thing, like the the people that like to complain about the lack of jazz. It's like, look at every jazz festival in the world. Yeah. Every single jazz festival is wrestling with the same thing. Totally. Yeah. Which is yeah. that the jazz audience is small and shrinking. And, um, and that, you know, in order to bring attention to some of those artists, you need to like what we call the, I think we, we use the term jazz adjacent. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I think, I think, you know, the Flame Lips are probably adjacent, adjacent, adjacent. Right. So yeah. that, let's forget about that. But like Daniel Caesar. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was so much, yeah. there's so much jazz in that show. Yeah. Like what that band is playing, there's a pile of imp- improvisation. You know some of the the harmony that they're using. It's like there's so much, and in No Name show this yeah, year, yeah, like yeah. what what people are going to experience with No Name, like you know, there's a pile of jazz in those artists, and and I think also to to like hip hop has so many deep ties. The connections are crazy. Yeah, right. Yeah, like yeah. like hip hop. Even on the surface, if you don't see them, you, you just give a listen for five minutes. And totally. Can, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, hip hop doesn't exist without jazz. Sure. And yeah, yeah. Lots of music like. Soul doesn't exist without jazz. Yeah. R&B doesn't exist without jazz. And so, like, this festival is, like, Janelle Monáe, um, John Legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like, there's been, a like, a, a good, really great crop of soul singers that have that have come through. And and that totally has a place in a jazz festival. Yeah, for right? sure. Right? And so Absolutely, I think, yeah. you know, so I think that... Um, well, there's a long history of soul singers also being jazz, or like Ray Charles, yeah, of right? Course. I mean, like, you know, yeah. yeah, so I think that... You know, for us, that all makes a pile of sense, yeah. right? And it, it, it's it's an extension of the same, it's the same, an extension of the same cultural line, and and so, um, you know, so I think like, you know, Montreux in Switzerland, yeah. one of the top, yeah, yeah, you know, and like, yeah. um, I uh, there's this band from the UK called Daughter, and I really love this band Daughter, and like Daughter played Montreux, and they are not. You know, I booked the Joy Formidable a couple of years ago. Right. And, like, they're not a jazz band. Right, right. Um, and Daughter's kind of in that, like, you know, UK kind of guitar riffy okay. uh, anthemic stuff. And, and, like, they play Montreux. And it's like, like, Montreux's, like, the doors, the doors are wide open, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The North Sea Jazz Festival, the doors are wide open. The yeah. Montreal Jazz Festival, the doors are wide open. New Orleans, yeah, grandmama of them all, yeah. The doors are wide so open. Why not? Would like, yeah. yeah. So if you're yeah. complaining about the flaming lips at, yeah. you know, at the jazz festival yeah. in Winnipeg, like, well, like, yeah. whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and, and I'm definitely like, like I said, I, I get, I get why. And I've seen a lot of artists at jazz fest over the years that I definitely wouldn't consider to be jazz, but I was happy that they were coming to Winnipeg. Totally. For, for, I don't care how they ended up getting yeah. here. It's like that, that's how they have to get here. That's, yeah. That's totally. Yeah. Like. Killer Mike a couple years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that remains one of the best shows, you know. And I think like a festival, you know, kind of all this this other stuff aside, a festival, you know, has a responsibility to to serve the community, right? Absolutely, yeah. And that community is more than is more than just the jazz purists, right? And yeah. so I think that it's important to us that 
the kids that hang out at the Goodwill find some acts that they yep. can see at the festival, and the kids that hang out at Times can find some stuff that they want to see at the festival. And the and people then the, the people, return customers too. Totally, right? and the people that you know might normally just go to the folk festival. Oh, Colin Linden's playing this year. I love Colin Linden. Sure, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. let's go see Colin. So I think like for us, it's about making sure that our tent is broad. Okay, and and I think that 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 benefits that benefits Winnipeg because they get to see more music. Yeah. It benefits jazz in Winnipeg because it means that there are more people with their eyes on jazz in Winnipeg. Yep. And it helps the artists too. It, help, it helps the artists. There's more, there's more opening slots. There's more opportunities. And so I think, you know, and I think especially with Old Market Square and some of the stuff we're doing there, all of a sudden now we get to present some stuff that normally we would have to, you know, put, put on a ticketed bill yeah. and put it at the West End Cultural Center and, and um, you know, and use some, the revenue stream somewhere else to kind of underwrite some of that stuff yeah. and and now let's just like let's get people to fall in love with this music right this music's amazing it is yeah. let's let's yeah. build that audience for it let's get those artists coming back and back and back and and kind of taking that model where we can where we can actually help build careers for people and so sure. um well still appealing to the purists who want to hear it totally that's like, there for them because we're going to book that too we yeah, will always yeah, have that yeah. as well like it's yeah. like that is never going to leave the festival you know yeah um and so I think, you know, and I think for, you know, if there are local musicians who kind of look at this and like, don't quite see how all these puzzle pieces fit together. I totally get that. Yeah. Because it's, you know, this is also stuff that, you know, they're not getting taught at school. It's not part of, you know, how, you know, how the jazz program, you know, the, the business side of things isn't really they're not getting yeah that's not part of that yeah. education really yeah. and and it's also not part of most people's experience most musicians experience in this city right and so i think that um so i fully get how there's some people that like might have their like you know have some questions yeah, right yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> and i guess from my end it's like well my door's open anytime yeah i'm yeah. an easygoing guy if you want to talk give me a call let's, yeah. chat. let's go grab a coffee or a beer and and have a chat and you know i'm more than happy to kind of talk through this stuff with people any old time because it's yeah i think it's vital well, it i think helps it's you too right in terms it, of what you people want to see yeah, yeah of course yeah, yeah. yeah totally and um and i think also you know i think some of those some of those skills that i learned by hustling my own band and then mm-hmm. also hustling other bands you know like those apply to the jazz world as well, right? Sure, they, sure. You know, like if we look at someone like Joel Ross, um, vibes player in New York, like he's, like, he's on the come up right now, and he, like, he's hustling, right? Yeah. And uh, like any any there's artists in Toronto and Montreal that are touring the world constantly. Yeah. You know, um, there are artists in Edmonton that are doing that. Um, Audrey Okoa is coming to Winnipeg. She's trombonist from Edmonton, and like. You know, she's not playing groundbreaking jazz, right? But she's phenomenal musician, great writer, has her shit together, right? And has a good team around her, and is doing it on a pretty broad level now, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I think, I think what I, you know, um, if there are any local musicians that are listening to this podcast, I think that's the only people who do this podcast, honestly. <laughs> well, I've either made great friends or great enemies. Right, 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 right. Um, uh, I'm not a man for the middle. Um, you know, this stuff is like, there's models of success out there. That's kind of what I want to be able to show people is that there are, there are models of success and you can do it. And, and, and our office is open, is, is there to help, right? Like, uh, anyone who, who wants that, but doesn't know how those puzzle pieces fit together, 
I'm happy to chat anytime. Yeah. And if I can't answer questions, I'll help you find the people that can. And um, yeah, because I really want, I really want this city to have a great scene that that flourishes and is visible. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure. beyond our borders. And like, I think like it's been, you know, it's been really sequestered for a long time. And I think, um, I think what is, you know, what I didn't always realize, or you know, I think as a someone who came to the jazz community a bit more as an outsider, maybe. Is that there was, you know, there was one person who was limiting things a lot more than than uh, than they needed to be, and so I think okay. that um, uh, and did some extensive damage in that way, and and so I think you know from our office we want we want to help people kind of lay the foundation yeah. for 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 a, for a career that can you know be more than just playing in restaurants in the corners and. And actually have your name on the marquee and sure. and build build something real that you can sell tickets around. I think that's maybe a good place to end it. Actually, it's a, like, right. it's a very uh, fitting ending. Uh, but just uh, before we do that, uh, if people, you know, I'm, I'm not going to assume people are listening to this not knowing what the Jazz Fest is. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty high profile Winnipeg event. But where do people find tickets? Where do they find information about who's playing? What's the best uh, option to sort of do all that stuff? For sure, uh, jazzwinnipeg.com okay. is our website. Um, all of our tickets and our events and everything are are available there and um yeah so we we're trying to present more and more shows outside of the festival yeah, as well yeah, now yeah. so um and uh i don't know let's uh let's keep making some great music cool cool and if people want to hear more episodes of this show including uh, interviews with people who are playing the festival this year which is kind of cool it's always nice to see that like people yep. who you know i've talked to <laughs> once when they're starting or whatever are now you know stepping up and, and getting to that level uh you can go to witchpolice.com all 300 and, or 90 whatever episodes are there for free download and streaming oh man yeah it's getting ridiculous um you can also tune in on sundays <laughs> at midnight on umfm and they play uh older episodes that have kind of yeah. uh a few months after they come out as a podcast. So yeah. by the time this airs on UMFM, the festival will be over. Yeah. But like you said, Jazz Winnipeg's doing a lot of shows kind of outside of the festival and there's always next year, right? So. Totally. Yeah, exactly. 